Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Voodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Doc Murphy of rootdocmurphy.com in Paganistan. In just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman of conjuremanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we will be joined by a special guest, Stuart Palm of StuartPalm.com in Hong Kong, bringing us today's Oracle Hour on Oracle Decks Part 2. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forumluckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman. Miss Cat? Hi. Thank you, Doc Murphy. Always nice to hear your lovely voice as an announcer. Cheerful and and Upper Midwestern in your pronunciation. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, I had a fun experience. Um, I went to have my eyes measured for my upcoming cataract surgery, which is, you know, down the road a piece because of the pandemic and all, you know, whatever. um, Elective surgeries are kind of shoved aside. But uh, the lady who uh, took my biometrics and measured my eyes had a voice very much like yours, Doc Murphy. <laughs> and here we were in California. And I, yeah. as we walked down the corridor, and she was leading me, blind as I am, down the corridor to the next room where the, the special little lenses and things were for me to look through and the little camera. I said, I just have to ask where are you from? And she said, where do you think I'm from? And I I said, Wisconsin. And she said, no, close. I'm from Minneapolis. (laughs) I went, I missed it. I missed it. Anyway, it was fun. Oh, that's good. So you, your voice is with me always, and I should have been more confident, but I thought she was a little softer than you, so I went for Wisconsin. (laughs) Oh, good. It's a game I play. Spread the so how around. are things in the frozen north? Oh, we got our first snow finally. Uh, oh, our first snow that is stuck. So while so while the sun is down, um, we have a light. So it was a merciful snow. It was only about an inch or so. So everything's covered with a light dusting of white blessedness, and it's not quite as painfully dark as it was as it has been because we've got snow. So it's 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 winter finally. So for all of those who missed our show on how to do Southern Hoodoo in the Northern Climes, y'all should go back and check this out. We had Miranda Tarot and Doc Murphy giving us the 
insights and wisdom of how to do hoodoo in the snow. It was a great show. <laughs> and thanks so water. much for having done that with us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to just report a little bit here. Um, I'm I'm hanging in, doing my work, doing my stuff. I've been on Hoodoo Psychics a bit more than usual because I've had some uh, computer work to do so I can be live on Hoodoo Psychics and working at my desk at the same time to stop my work, take a call. So I've been on a little bit more than just Friday and Saturday, but it's been fun. And Hoodoo Psychics has started a new program I'd like to quickly tell you about. This is a kind of a complement to or a reflection of the long-standing Lucky Mojo Curio Company Facebook Fridays. So if you don't know about Lucky Mojo Facebook Fridays, let's start there. Every Friday since um, sometime in 2014, a long time now, we've been giving away mm-hmm. free products every Friday. It could be an oil. It could be a book package. It could be a single book. Sometimes it's packages of matching oils and sachet powders and incenses, the the value of them varies and you'll get any you know, we'll get anywhere from oh, you know, um one through seven winners depending on the value of the prize packages. We do this every Friday and it has been a wonderful for our shop, for our visibility on Facebook, and we've also now taken it over to Instagram. But Lucky Mojo doesn't have an Instagram account. You have to find me, Catherine Ironwood, and you'll see the the Instagram announcements. Maybe Lucky Mojo will get one. Well, right now it's just me on Instagram. So uh, Deacon Millet, my good friend and compadre and fellow of the way, said, you know, we ought to do that for Hoodoo Psychics because he's the owner of Hoodoo Psychics. And he decided to make it be on a Monday. And so, because he's been doing these Magic Monday spell lists and things for a long time also. It's about, I don't know, 20 11 maybe, I'm not sure, something like that. So uh, he put out his very first free Hoodoo Psychics. And what this is, you you go to Hoodoo Psychics on Facebook, you add a comment under the picture. This time it was Theta Bera with a crystal ball. I don't know what will be next week. And you can uh, leave a comment, and then uh, he will select a winner, and that person gets... A 15-minute free reading at Hoodoo Psychics with the psychic of their choice. And you arrange it. I mean, it's not just like you got to take who's on on that minute. He'll arrange it for you. And uh, your account will be credited. And what's really nice for the psychics is we get paid. He's <laughs> We don't have to donate our time. Deacon Mellet is paying for it as part of his promotion for Hoodoo Psychics. So... Yet another reason to stick with Facebook, that archaic and somewhat grim behavioral sync. But yet, you can get free things on Facebook. So that's the news for me. We gave away the first one, and um, and it, it was cool. Everything is really, really neat. And I really hope um, people take advantage of it. And um, uh, Papa G just wrote in the chat, they're all going to pick you, cat. <laughs> Ah, uh, that's a sweet thing to say, but Papa G, you're pretty popular yourself. And I just I just hope to see more people getting those free psychic readings. So, how are things with you, Conjurman? Things are, are quite well. That's a very interesting and exciting update you shared, uh, Hoodoo Psychics. 
I've been busy as as usual. Uh, I was uh, just commenting the other day. I mean, the, today's episode is on on oracle cards, and that's very exciting to see very, the concept of being an oracle itself. I was mentioning uh, how uh, the the two big predictions that, that you made about uh, changing around labor, right? Uh, particularly around mm-hmm. agriculture and meat has been mm-hmm. coming true, like to the T. If anyone hasn't been following along, I'm just going to give you a real brief breakdown about this, and just this is credit where credit is due here. So, about <laughs> several years ago, almost more than ten years, my memory, my memory serves, more than ten years now at this point. It was Kat, myself, Nagashiva. Deacon Miller, and I think Cast was there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we were sitting, uh, we were on the phone, and this was right when, like, 3D printing was sort of taking off, but had just collapsed. Like, everyone was like, yeah, this is impractical. No one's going to use this. This is not very interesting. Like, it was, it was theoretically interesting, but no one wanted to apply it practically. Chat took one look at it and says, they're going to be printing food out. So there's going to be printing food out. We're going to see this in the next few years. They're going to start to make meat. They're going to make meat around this. And it's going to change the way we did it. And then the last, two years ago, uh, we did a, a Uranus in Taurus episode. Uh, yeah, 2019, where Kat repeated the prophecy. And she said, there's going to be, a, watch this Uranus in Taurus transit. There's going to be massive changes in our agriculture, the way that we consume food the way that, that, that we think about meat production, all of that is going to be changing. And when I say that, it has been just coming true to a T. It has been, it's like one of those things, is when you're right, you're right. Good well. on you on, on that, because I was just reading the article the other day about they're rolling out um, the new uh, lab-made beefs that are and people have been trying it out and they just tried out the chicken they replaced the chicken nuggets with it and apparently like the consistency is slightly off every other instance it's like it's chicken it's just a regular mm-hmm. old chicken nugget and like this will replace mcdonald's chicken nuggets <laughs> there's literally no reason for us so, like there's some fascinating stuff that's going on and then this year has also been um you know at the tw- at beginning of the year i mentioned how this was going to be a whole year about labor and rethinking work, and, and there's going to be disruptions in trade. And a friend of mine sent me a text message the other day uh, about a news. Apparently, there's going to be disruptions in Cheetos. <laughs> Cheetos is now a scarcity on the East Coast. And my friend texted me, he's like, 2021 has gone too far. And I was like, of all the things, Cheetos was, Cheetos was the line that was crossed. Oh my god. So it's been it's been an interesting few years in regards to prediction in world history, huh? Contraband, I'm ahead of you. I'm ahead of you. You haven't read the other new article. Okay. Oh, they oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They've come up with a um a gene splicing technique that could be applied to anything in which only female offspring or only male offspring will be reproduced. It's an embryo-killing gene that kills the embryo between 16 and 32 cells. Um, And so they they breed male with this, either on the X or Y, and the female has it, right? And you, depending on whether you put it on the X or Y, all of the male fetuses die at between 16 and 32 cells, or all of, the, all of the females, either all the males or all the females. Well, they've already, the British 
chicken egg-laying industry has already signed on to this because they said now we don't have to smother all those day-old cockerels, which everybody hates us for doing. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the, we're, we're, we're so, living in an era so, where yeah, really but, but wait, now, So now it's a race. It's a race between agriculture, which wants to raise those chickens, right. and and the um, – 3D printing of eggs, right? <laughs> Essentially. Right. Wow. Isn't this interesting? It's like a race. Is... Now I got to throw in. Uh, now there's a wild card. The wild card oh. is there are now these quote self-reproducing xenobots, which are sub- living robots. Oh, I did Just... see that. I did see that. The yes. reproducing robots. Yes. That blew okay, my mind. now, this is just a way to soft-pedal and prevaricate on the creation of life. They're saying, well, they're not yeah. really alive. They're xenobots, but they're actually yeah. alive. These are frog fucking cells. These are frogs, okay? And so the first food out of the box will be frog legs, I guess, right? Oh, geez. I've got to say but, that sometimes I, I think to myself that uh, nobody learned the lesson of Jurassic Park. <laughs> They watched the movie and they didn't learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, I grew up on 1950s science fiction, so this is like, oh, I'm like, okay, are we going to pick the Phil Dick ending to the story, or are we going to pick the Isaac Asimov ending to the story? <laughs> yes, right? That's exactly. Is it, it going to be like grim, or, or is it going to be hopeful? We don't know. But anyway, yes. yeah. So um, everything I predicted is coming true in the weirdest yep. way. Thank you for noticing that. That was my yeah, major and, prediction. And, and not time. just in the weirdest way, but in the very literal way. This is not well, a metaphoric literal. prediction. Yeah, it was not metaphoric at all. I remember it very specifically. Like, yeah, they're going to be making. They're going to be printing out food. Yeah, they're going to print food. Fact, well, and what, what made what was what was so significant about that time? Three D printing had just kind of collapsed, and so yeah, everyone was right. like, "Yeah, that's not possible. No, no, that's not going to happen." You're like, "Nope, just watch, just watch." Right, and it turned out <laughs> yeah. true. Turned out true. Turned out true. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a it's going to be a brave new world. But I like the idea that the British agriculture industry is trying at least to avoid the you know these tragic photos of them just grinding living baby chicks up because they're male. That's you know it's so horrific. Now everyone's going to right. say, oh, but these were altered or edited. No, they're normal female chicks. Then we say, well, but now you're not letting them, you know, they're caged. No, no, in Britain, they don't keep them caged in those horrible little battery cages like we do in America. They have a nice agriculture. We can have worlds of female chickens. It's becoming an Ursula K. Le Guin ending or oh, yeah. something. I don't know. <laughs> so, anyway. When sci-fi becomes just reality. Yeah, when sci-fi becomes reality. All right. Well, that's it. Thank you for for mentioning that. Um, today, speaking of oracles, is our monthly oracle hour, and so we're going to be um, giving um, uh, fortunes with oracle cards this time. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just going to quickly say an intro, and we're going to bring in our guest. Oracle cards is a retroactive name for fortune-telling cards that are not tarot or playing cards. It's it's a name that was made up in the you know, late 90s, early 2000s. It did not exist prior to that. Fortune-telling cards was what they were usually called. But fortune-telling is a rather, you know, so was Oracle. They're just random words. So somehow Oracle deck became applied to things like the Normand cards. 
mm-hmm. and to um, decks of astrology cards, decks of picture cards, I Ching decks. There's all kinds of card decks that are now considered to be oracle decks. So from a cartomantic history, uh, you can't look up oracle decks in a book on 1920s fortune-telling with cards, because although the decks existed, the name oracle cards didn't exist, and you'll have to Mm -hmm. search around and find copies of the decks. There are quite a few of them that are well-known. Probably the best known of these oracle card decks, although in my opinion, it is also the very worst that has ever been created. See which cards. And everybody knows what they are and how ugly they are and how grim and frightening the predictions are. And don't just don't. I mean, if you want a complete collection, go get a 1930s copy and put it on a shelf. But no. But that's the most famous of the Oracle decks. Nowadays, Lenormand has sort of and the Gypsy Witch, by the way, is a Lenormand deck of a sort. And so, um, but the Lenormand decks have had incredible rise in popularity. Yeah. Um, and so, we're going to bring on our guest, Stuart Palm. So, hello, Stuart. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and Stuart comes to us all the way from Hong Kong. He's been a guest before. He gets up early or stays up late. We're not sure which. <laughs> up early today. It's seven <laughs> seven seventeen right now. Okay, great. Well, uh, hi, Stuart. And now we'd like your take on Oracle Cards Part 2 because we talked about them once before with you. Let's do Part 2. <laughs> right, Part 2. Um, I love card reading. Uh, and mm. I, I was using tarot most of my life. And when I first came across Oracle decks, it was Lenormand. And for me, for personal matters, they were faster giving me clear messages. So I got a little obsessed with them. <laughs> and I started mm-hmm. doing all kinds. And actually, one, one of the earlier decks <clears throat> other than Lenormand was the Gypsy Witch. So I was laughing mm-hmm. to myself when you said that. Um, yeah, terrible deck. What I what I do like about that deck, other than I, I do think the design is terrible, uh, I do like that it's a 52 card deck, um, and not the the 36 Lenormand card card deck that it uses. What I was familiar with as a deck of cards, and that actually is a, one of the things that that's different about my cards uh, that I've created, is that there are 52. Uh, poker cards, uh, for lack of a better way to describe them, uh, that, that are included. So you you don't just have the 36 Lenormand. You you branch out to other cards that are there. Um, <clears throat> but what, I, I get really picky about about different cards. Um, so I usually don't like when they put words on the deck, so mm-hmm. that it's mm. so that people. You get limited to, oh, no, this one. Like, even when you have a tarot deck and it says sorrow on it and somebody gets that card, they go, oh. You go, well, in this context, with these cards around it, it's not so sorrowful. You know, you have to kind of tell them more about it as you're giving the reading. So Mm -hmm. um, I end up up choosing decks based on a mixture of how I feel from the deck, but also – 
what, what's included and uh, what's not included becomes important as well. So all those kind of things went into the creation of, of uh, Palms Oracle, which is, you know, what I kind of use for everything now. Um, when, when I'm, I also use them often in conjunction with tarot. So I'll use like just the major arcana and then also Oracle decks at the same reading. Uh, do, do you work that way, mixing them together? Um, I have. There's a, a kind of reading that um, I picked up along the way at a psychic fair, which uses two different tarot decks, or a tarot deck and a putt poker deck, or however you want to do it. And the one you just lay them out like one, two, one, two, one, two. And um, I've done that. It's kind of interesting. It, it gives a, a neat idea. The person who I learned it from used the Mother Peace deck, which is circular. And then a rectangular mm. card. So it actually made a kind of a, a visual, bold visual statement uh, as well. Mm. Cool. Now, I'm going to say something about kind of, first of all, your deck is really beautiful. And um, you didn't mention, I think you're maybe a little modest, that you are an artist. And that yeah. this, this deck is your art. And it's um, it's really beautifully done, and so that's kind of an added bonus. You, you you're not only just getting um, the deck, but you're getting uh, Stuart's art and his thinking on it. And his thinking is very sophisticated, very deep, and he's been working mm-hmm. with these a long time. I want to uh, talk yeah, for just a moment. Yeah, this is a two-year project. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we put up on on our in in Facebook. Um, we put up some pictures, um, and maybe uh, Nagashiva can post a link to where those pictures are online, uh, probably at your site, and so people can take mm-hmm. a look at what your deck looks like. Now, I wanted to get in a moment, just a moment, about the deck that I'm going to be using to read with because it's too complicated to just talk about it at the moment I read. I'm going to be using a deck called Zolar's Astrological Tarot Fortune-Telling Cards, an amazing and amusing game. It's not a game, and it's not a tarot deck either. This is a very strange deck. It was put out by a man named Bruce King. And Nagashiva has some uh, information about Bruce King, which he's going to put through the uh, chat. And Bruce King was a man who went under the name Zolar. And he was a radio uh, DJ, and he owned a radio station, and he ended up um, hiring a man named Kobar to do astrology on his radio show. And then Kobar quit, um, you know, to go to Hollywood or whatever, and and um, King then became uh, an astrologer named Zolar. And he then devised this deck, and it is really interesting because it's a a deck of um of double sided cards and there are 56 of them and um they have different things on the front and back and so on one side they have astrological readings and on the other side they have the uh tarot cards and so I'll be using those so this goes to your question do I ever use two decks at once Zolar's deck mm. is two decks at once. And depending mm. on how you shuffle it, in other words, if you shuffle it so that it's all tarot cards 
face up, then you got a tarot deck. But if you shuffle and interleaf them, do you know what I'm saying? So that you got some astrology and some um, tarot, they interleaf, and it also has poker cards on it, also. So um, it's a it's a fascinating deck. And um, when people ask me what's my favorite crazy deck, it's Zolar's Astrological Tarot, fortune telling cards. So I'll be using that deck. How about you, Ollie? What what kind of oracle decks do you like? I have a, a few. I don't use oracle decks in my personal uh, readings uh, or for my clients, but I do have a few, mostly a sort of collector's items, and I've pulled them out a couple times on the radio show. In fact, today I'll just be sticking with the tarot. But um, an example is the Rumi deck. So the Rumi deck was made, if I'm not mistaken, by uh, Nigel, who does the work for Christopher Warnock's uh, astrological talismans and whatnot. Um, similar art style. And it follows mostly the tarot, but it includes uh, verses from Rumi, who was a famous Sufi poet. Um, I've also got the Lenormand deck, I've played around with it. Lenormand is really good. Uh, I almost mm-hmm. treat Lenormand in its own category. What, what I find fascinating about Oracle cards, though, is that they are eminently accessible, probably mm-hmm. more so than the tarot. They are rooted much more in the intuitive ability to read. The tarot is still very structured. And I, I, I think mm-hmm. some people forget that. People come to the tarot and they think that, oh, you just pick up a tarot deck and you read and it's all intuition. That's not how it was traditionally. The tarot in many ways uh, came out of the playing card uh, movement, right? And it's, so it was very structured. It's very organized. The symbology is very kind of, it follows almost a hierarchy, right? That makes sense. Mm-hmm. There's, there's aces, there's twos, there's threes, there's fours. So there's a hierarchy there. The oracle cards, on the other hand, are very much intuitive. There's some of them that have no writing on there, sometimes even no numbers. Um, They are sometimes entirely image-based, so the focus is on really allowing the intuition, the creativity, the magical imagination to run wild. I've seen some beautiful ones, some interesting ones, some funky-ass ones, (laughs) but some of them really cool. One of my favorites, I don't actually own this one, but I thought was the uh, Otter Oracle deck. Um, which was absolutely adorable because I think otters are cute. And just knowing that someone, there's somebody out there reading fortunes with otter oracle deck, I thought was like, it's like brilliant. Um, and so I've only got a couple. I've got Lorman, which I've used before. I've got the Rumi deck, which I've used before. Um, I've got an angel one, which I've used before. I don't use them particularly frequently, but I think they introduce a level of creativity and artistry um, that sometimes gets lost when we think about cards. Uh, we often think of just the traditional tarot images with slight variations on there, right? The vampire tarot or this tarot. Just slight variations with similar images. I think the oracles really allow a level of imagination that we really don't see in, in other types of decks. So they are very cool, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing them used today. Well, I'm going to throw in in the chat, people are um, uh, posting what their favorite non-Tarot 
decks mm-hmm. are that are oracle decks. So I'm going to read some of these off because these are fascinating, and I want to thank everyone in the chat yeah. for um, laying these out. So some of them are named and some are um, not so named. One says, um, I've seen some cool cards like animal decks, says Mickey MSB. And the Mother Peace deck says Nagashiva. Doc Murphy says Demon Tarot. Well, that's still Tarot. Um, hmm. Mickey Mickey MSB says there's one on songs, which is cool. And then Stuart hmm. Palm's Oracle. And um, then uh, another vintage deck says Doc Murphy is one she got from Miss Miranda Tarot, which uses Goetic Seals. Never hmm. seen that one. Sounds fascinating. Then there's the Dusty deck designed by Mara Maimardi, and this was used on our show by uh, Miss Athena. It's a Turkish-Greek deck. And, and Madame Nadia. And Madame Nadia. And Madame Nadia uses the Dusty deck, too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And she then there's really La Vera Sibylla. Yeah, La Vera Sibylla, or the True Sibyl, which is, mm-hmm. uh, there are several different Sibylla decks and Sibyl decks. They're all wonderful decks. They are not Lenormand decks. Um, then we have, um, Nagashiva mentioned, the White Mojo Lenormand deck designed by Papa G. Um, beautiful also, just lovely um, deck. The White mm-hmm. Owl Lenormand by Regula Elizabeth Fletcher. The Anna Cortez Playing Card Oracle's Divination Deck, which is a playing card deck, but it has strange pictures on it. Um, Caitlin mm-hmm. Matthews Enchanted Lenormand. And um, then there's the um, Tantric Dakini Oracle, which Deacon Millet uses and has used on yes. the show many, many times. Originally known as the Secret Dakini Oracle, which all the old-timers still call it, by Penny Slinger and Nicolette Douglas. Fantastic. I added Richard Webster's Angel Deck, and there were other Angel Decks as well. Um, yeah. But I happen to like Richard Webster's the best. Um, and then let's see what else we got here. The Wild Unknown Deck. Um, Cousin Joshua mentions, and um, the Finn de Sieco Kipper deck, says Dr. Sweets, and I put in Visions of the Saints, and there are several Saints decks, that's just one deck mm-hmm. I happen to know, and um, the Goddess deck, says El Patricia, beating me to having written it in. There's the Loteria deck created by Major Tom Schick, which uses the Loteria cards from the game of Loteria, but it uses it as a card deck. It's fantastic. It's one of Major Tom's real triumphs. Um, There's the Pamela Coleman Smith Lenormand, which is made by taking pieces of Pamela Coleman Smith's art, chopping it up and rearranging it into Lenormand. Cards. It's called Pixie's Amazing Lenormand, I believe. It's really great. And, um, yeah, Doc Murphy says Coleman's Lenormand is awesome. So I think I'm caught up. Those are some of the recommendations. And I, I mean, can tell you there's show how creative they all are. Yeah. Yeah, many Lenormands, but there are also some very, very uh, interesting other decks. Let's just call them other mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. decks. And um, I, I think that everybody interested in this, one of the best places to learn about these things is on online tarot forums. Um, Eclectic Tarot is a, um, a website that uh, tries to get pictures from every deck and... Um, 
uh, Mickey MSB says there are some erotic cards out there. Yes, there's also mm-hmm. an I Ching deck I remember from a long time ago as well. Um, and it, it basically made all of the I Ching uh, hexagrams into cards. So, mm-hmm. well, Yeah, that is a good deck. Oh, there's a couple of them. Yeah. And I think so anybody who wants to really spend young. all their money on cards, you know, there's your walking papers. You can now start spending all your money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, one of the things that that, we, that needs to be said here about Oracle decks is that they rely on the understanding that uh, there are alternative ways of drawing meaning other than just the tarot symbology. It's not mm-hmm. just all wands and cups and coins and major arcana, right? There are there's mm-hmm. other ways that you can build symbology. Some of them rely on natural omens, right? So like mm-hmm. looking at the natural world, uh, trees mean certain things. Some of them build, I know there was an Ogham deck a while back, right, which was built on the, the tree letters uh, from Celtic mythology, right? There's ways of building it. You mentioned, for example, your oracle deck uses astrological symbology. This is the key, is that they find ways of building symbolic meaning, and from that you can pull the interpretations. That doesn't have to fit the traditional scheme of either the tarot or the playing part. And that's where I think Oracle decks can be quite playful, quite interesting, and quite creative in that they are more, they allow you to take other forms of symbol and bring them into divination. I've known people who take certain magical practices or spiritual practices. So we've seen the emergence of things like Orisha decks, right? Mm-hmm. This is emerged because they, they're trying to pull meaning from the significations of the Orishas, from the mythology mm-hmm. of West Africa. Um, and so this is this is what oracle decks allow you to do. This is why we see new oracle decks made, like in the in the case of Stuart Palm, right? This is really cool, mm-hmm. right? You're able to do that because you're pulling meaning from other sites rather than the traditional playing card tarot complex, we'll call it. Yeah. So my my not... um yeah sorry go go ahead <laughs> my my uh, my. My association of where where the meaning comes from is mm-hmm. from practicing cardomancy, and I, I don't mm-hmm. know that I've seen anybody do exactly what I've done before, which is to take the symbolism based on the numerological meaning of the number and the the power of the suit. So, you know, diamonds are earth, and uh, also financial related. Sevens would be spiritual. Mm-hmm. So you, you get that connection, and then putting the imagery in the center that represents that numerological uh, association mm-hmm. as the meaning. But for me, in the reading process, reading an oracle deck is more like reading uh, coffee grinds or reading tea leaves than mm-hmm. it is like reading tarot. That's the sort of way that I, the, the, the feeling of it anyway, as a reader is, mm-hmm. is more like that, oh, there's this image and that means this and mm-hmm. that applies to the thing you're working on. Um, which just was more natural for me for some reason. Mm-hmm. In terms of inspiration, what was your inspiration for making this deck? What what type of imagery did you draw from? Why did you think that, like, was it because you were looking for something for your clients or was this much more about, like, I need a deck for myself? What was the inspiration that, that drew you to it? I was I was reading, um, there, there's a a bar that used to be here, 
called employees only. They, they, they have a few of them mm-hmm. in the world. There's one in, in New York and I was uh, reading there a number of nights a week and um, I was using tarot and I was bringing in Oracle decks here and there. And I just got a deck of blank playing cards, like not printed playing cards, just blank blank paper basically. And I started to draw my own version uh, of, of Lenormand on them in, in marker. And um, so as, as I was between clients, I would work on these little drawings. And uh, then I started to work on with this deck because um, I was mixing actually, I was using tarot and a regular deck of playing cards for a while. Um, and so I started to associate the two, like which, which cards does this feel like it goes with and you know connecting them up. And then I started doing more refined drawings based on what I had discovered through that. Uh, and most mm. of the imagery is from things in my own life and art that in, inspires me and every sort of card in there, I have a whole story about. <laughs> so, so I mm-hmm. can talk for hours on, on the deck. <laughs> um, you know, any individual image, I could say, well, this is from, you know, uh, like right now I'm looking right down at the Seven of Diamonds and the, the, the Seven of Diamonds is in, in the Norman, we would say it's the cross card. And the cross always was, uh, a difficult card for me because I, I felt it was limiting in its association to Christianity first, whereas the symbol mm-hmm. of a cross to me was always more of a symbol of protection and, and, and less, um, less about sacrifice, although that's, of, of course, part of it. So the image I use is a cross on a shield, um, and, and the image in particular is drawn from uh, the, the chapel uh, Roslyn Chapel in Scotland, um, which I visited, and um, it's an image of an angel holding a shield from one of the capitals on the columns there. So there's a whole story within that, but then the, the, the symbol is imbued with protection. Uh-oh. <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's like a, I said, I can keep talking. <laughs> you could, well, you know, that's a, I know that you've written about some of these also on your website. I got a few late entries that just came in here before we go to our first reading. The Ingalls deck from the 1930s by Harry Ingalls of Swampscott, Massachusetts. He was a stage magician, but he also did uh, these cards. And the Piatnik decks made by Piatnik and Sons in Vienna. The Biedermeyer deck, the 1906 Gypsy deck, which is sometimes called the Green Cupid deck. And the Art Deco deck, really wonderful um, oracle decks and I think that's it we caught up with ourselves <laughs> alright let's give this to Doc Mark and uh, we'll bring in our first reading stay tuned the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with your hosts Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman and this week's special guest Stuart Palm will be right back we'll be taking calls from our listeners answering their questions through spiritual divination and prescribing down home conjure remedies and remediation Our call-in clients are selected from among those who have filled out a short questionnaire at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.lucky.com. You can listen to the show online through Blog Talk Radio or via telephone by dialing 818-394-8535. If you filled out a client questionnaire at the forum and you have not already done so, please dial in now to 818-394-8535 and press 1 to let us know you're available to be on the air. 
We will select callers by their area code, and if your area code is announced, we'd like you to say hello and let me, your announcer, Doc Murphy, read a brief description of your situation before turning it over to our hosts. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our first caller. Our caller is Michelle, calling from area code 913. Michelle, are you there? I'm here. Okay, great. Welcome. So you indicated in your questionnaire that you have not had a private reading with... I had a reading on the show uh, on November 24th, 2019. Um, There is a lot of bad stuff going on, a lot of odd things, and I... Okay, I'll go ahead and I will read your description. Yeah, we, we, don't, uh, we, we know you had a reading yeah. before. That's great. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> so here we go. Hello, my name is Michelle Brand, born June 9, 1981, and I was on the Rootwork Radio Show November 24, 2019. I was going under the name M. Fear and asked what was going on in my life to cause all the problems it has. I said it was evil. The cat said I was crossed from a hardcore Christian false memory cult I was part of. The problems I started having after the therapy, looking back, I noticed the things were happening, have been happening my whole life, even before I was conceived. I was wondering what caused all the things that have happened to happen and what it is. Is it a crossing, jinx, curse, hex, etc.? Turning it over to you, Ms. Kat. All right, Michelle. I'm going to ask um, a couple of questions, and I'm going to use these um, Zolar cards to read for you. Okay. Um, my first question for you is, what is your sign of the zodiac? I am a Gemini. A Gemini. And my other uh, question, you don't have to answer it directly, is um, about how old are you? Uh, 40. <laughs> okay. All right. I can't believe that. I'm like, like Yeah. All right. So what I'm going to do is I've got these Zolar cards, and I'm going to call them out and hope someone writes down what I get here. Um, The first card I have for you is called Unfavorable Neptune. Now, Unfavorable Neptune may not relate to your natal horoscope. I'm not trying to read your horoscope. I'm just saying this card is called Unfavorable Neptune in response to your question. And this shows um, confusion and uncertainty. Neptune is the planet of dreams and glamour, visions, psychism and things like that. But unfavorable Neptune is, uh, causes uh, delay in development due to confusion and other things in your life which are uncertain. Your visions may be uncertain, for instance. The second card I have is a tarot card. See, this deck is like shuffled, and so it goes tarot cards, (laughs) astrology cards. Whatever you get is what you get. So um, it's it's a strange deck. And here I have the five of hearts, which is a playing card, which is also the five of cups. And it is a card that is... It's called a card of of sorrow or grief, and it really shows disappointment in in an inheritance. This person, according to the Tarot, we see a man with a a ruined castle across a river. 
according to playing cards, this is his inheritance, and it has proved to be disappointment. So it tells me that, yes, this probably did come from at the point of conception or before. Your inheritance, your genetic inheritance has created the condition that you find yourself in now. There is trouble. And it shows three spilled golden goblets that have spilled out wine and two that are unspilled. And there's also water under a bridge. And so the meaning here is, remember, time is passing. And yes, you were given a bad hand at birth. Really, you were. And um, But you can move on and, and uh, you know, rebuild to a certain extent. The third yes. card I have is... Um, uh, and uh, another odd one. This is like really a little outer planet action happening here. This is unfavorable Uranus or Uranus, as some people would call it. And Uranus is the planet of um, science and of eccentricity. But when it's unfavorable, it means that you are subject to accidents or things that happened to you that were unpredictable. And it yes. can it can give rise to disappointment because something that you thought would happen doesn't happen. So now I'm looking at these three cards, and what I'm seeing here is these two far outer planets are both unfavorable, and in the middle is the unfavorable Five of Hearts, which is a sad card, um, a.k.a. the Five of Cups, this card of sorrow. So what I'm seeing here is that whatever happened, it is not so much a crossing, a jinx, a curse, or a hex. I mean, you could say that, but I think it has been with you for a long, long time. And um, I think you had belonged to what you refer to as Christian false memory cult, and this is that unfavorable Neptune. This is the idea that um, that your visions, your psychic ability is compromised, very much compromised. So yeah, well, if I were you, I, if I were you, I would not trust all of the beliefs that I have received, and I would not trust all of the uh, visions. I would not recommend with these cards that you currently, until you get some better reading at some other point, that you currently try to do self-readings, because this says there's going to be confusion in yeah, around I, your I've readings. Tried, I've tried baths, I've tried candles, I've tried oils. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not I'm not giving you root work advice. I'm telling yeah, you what I'm seeing I'm around you. Yeah. yeah. Well this is and this is a long standing condition. And may I just please let me finish because you called me for a reading, so let me just try to give it to you. These are are, are way far away planets, Uranus and Neptune. This means this is a long scale problem. And it may last off and on all your life. It is not something that can be turned off with a candle because um, Uranus and Neptune have many decades before they come around again. So that's my reading on this. Let's um, turn this over um, to uh, Stuart and see what he reads. Yeah, so um, I've pulled three cards for you. And and, and, um, what what Kat... Thing is making sense to me. And the first card, the central focal point here, is the seven of spades. And in my deck, that is a mortar and pestle. It's a, a, a symbol of healing and um, also 
can be a symbol of using magic to make a change. So what I'm seeing here is that there's something that's, that's broken that needs to be healed. You need to have a, a, a time of focusing on where you can uh, focus inward and emotionally heal and, you know, spend, spend times away from whatever those negative influences have been so that you can bring yourself into a stronger place. The second card is the Ace of Clubs, which is a, um, it's the book. So there's a period of learning for you. There's a, a time of study, a time for getting away from um, too much outward influence. And what I'm feeling from this is that you, uh, you get very easily influenced by what other people say and, and by, um, you know, following other uh, people's advice without first feeling what it is that you need to go and finding your own direction on things before you make that leap. So finding a period of time, maybe um, finding someone who is a mentor that, that can help you through this period of change, that will help uh, bring you to where you need to be. The third card is the three of spades, which is about creating some change in your life. And this is a good thing. And the image of this on this card is a classic Lenormand image, which is the image of a scythe, which is what you use to harvest uh, the fields. And in this case, we are getting rid of the um, we're getting rid of the the old crops. There is a period, uh, there is a process that's going on where you're running a cycle that's not working anymore, and you need to get rid of those old things. You sort of think about weeding a garden. Uh, getting rid of the old weeds so that you can grow something new. I think that this is a process towards positive change, uh, but it's, it's mending and healing before moving on to the next thing. So there's some work to do on yourself, really, is, is what I'm seeing here. Yeah. Well, All right. You know. Well, we're going to give you some root work advice now, and that's going to be given by Conjurman. Yeah, uh, you've give, you've received some really good uh, readings here. I'm going to give you some root work that will help in this manner. It's very crucial, um, and I can I can tell I'm reading your spirit. You're a dweller. You're a dweller. Uh, you dwell on things, and it's super important that when you do this work, you don't do that. I don't want to see you call back in six months and be like, why is my life still a mess? because that's, you're going to allow yourself to be stuck in the shadow. One of the things about situations like your, and this is where that Neptune really comes into play, like Miss Cat mentioned, because Neptune plays a big role in the delusions we catch ourselves in as well, right? It's the things that we trap ourselves with. Yep. Um, and it is very important to understand that you can suffer from a spiritual condition, but then you can also inflict upon yourself its effect once you're free from it. This is what we call the after effect of a curse or the after effect of a crossed condition. It happens for a lot of people, particularly if you've had a long string of time where you've suffered. It's very hard for you to shift your mentality. You'll stub your toe next week and be like, oh, my God, my ancestors have cursed me. Don't do that. Okay? You've got to, yeah, you've I, got to be I, mindful I, of your thoughts. You've got yeah. to got to be mindful of your thoughts because your thoughts are going to become your prison. And I can already see it. That was, was reading for you. You were doing it. Your mind was going there. You were 
Gemini 10,000 miles an hour thinking. And I'm going, no, 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 catch yourself. Slow down. So either this root work is going to give you the spiritual tools you need to liberate yourself. But then you need to make sure that you follow it up with practical mental health, emotional health support if you need it, um, trying to keep, be mindful of your thoughts so that you don't get caught with this. I want you to start with a bath, rue, agrimony, and hyssop. I want you to brew it into a tea. It's going to be ideal for removing uh, these type of conditions. Uh, brew it into a tea. You can add a couple drops of uh, uh, Florida water to it if you prefer. Uh, and then bathe. Allow yourself to wash in this. Cleanse yourself. Purify. Pray as you do so. Call out to the Lord, your creator, whatever higher power that you believe in. Call out and ask that you be purified, cleansed, and all things that are holding you back be removed. Allow yourself to air dry, but gather a bit of that used bath water. Set it aside. Don't do anything with it yet. Next, I want you to take a black and white reversible candle. These are candles that are half black, half white. You're going to carve a new tip at the bottom. Don't cut off the other one. You're going to have a candle with two tips. So you're going to carve this candle so that it has two tips. You're going to inscribe your name onto the white portion of it along with the word Black. On the black portion, you're going to write your name and the word uncrossed. You're going to take uncrossing oil and anoint the black portion of the candle. You're going to take blessing oil or 7-Eleven holy oil, which is basically one of the best oils that exist. It's a holy oil really can be used for anything. Or you use blessing oil and you're going to anoint the white portion of it. Now, this is the important part. Take, take some type of uh, a cutting surface that you can use, some place that you can set this on, and put two large cups that are of equal size. You're going to balance the candles on these cups. It's gonna, you're going to have to play around until you find the right size cup. You want a cup that allows you to balance this candle laying horizontally on it while still allowing a lot of space in the middle so that the cups are on the two ends. Okay? I want you to visualize this. Then you are going to light this candle as it's horizontal on that cup, and you are going to recite 1 Samuel 12, verses 10 to 11. And they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served the Baals and the Asherahs. But now deliver us out of the hands of our enemies, that we may serve you. And the Lord sent you Robal and Barak and so on and so forth. And recite this three times. Three times you're going to recite it. On the third time, you're going to take a meat cleaver and you're going to cut that candle right in half. One swift motion right at the middle so that it breaks apart into a white and to a black. Make sure that you do this without breaking the cups. You're not smashing the cups. You're not doing anything dramatic. You're just cutting the candle. Let it all burn down. It won't burn clearly, cleanly. It won't burn all the way through because it's horizontal. That's fine. That's perfectly fine. Take the white portion of it and bury it in your front door. Take the black portion of it and bury it along. Take it with your used bath water. Go to the cemetery. Bury it, but not in a grave. 
but at an empty plot. Empty plot, you're going to bury that uh, wax, and you're going to say, here, Perry, the past. From my ancestors to my descendants, we are now free. As you walk out of the cemetery, you'll take the cup of the used bath water, throw it over your shoulder, and now here's the key. Do not look back. This is not just literal, but also symbolic. You have put this thing in your past. Walk away without doubt, without hesitation, and enter your new life. This is my recommendation. Let's see if Ms. Cat or Stuart have anything further to add. Whoa. Okay. I did have one question. I kind of came in a little late there. What was the oil that was used on the black half of the candle? Uncrossing oil, uncrossing oil. Ah, okay, great. Great, thank you. And uh, this is a very powerful spell. Um, you know, it's it, to cut that candle, you really want to do a, a good job there. Good luck on that. I've, yeah. I've, I'm just going to say put it, balancing it on a cup horizontal is a little scary to me, but um, I have it's done it tricky, on but a... I've done it. I've done it on a chopping board with a butcher cleaver. That works good too. So don't get you on the button. The, Can you, I balance? You put the yeah. You put the chopping board underneath the cuffs. I like the balancing so that you cut right through it. But the chopping yeah. board should be underneath. You shouldn't just be swinging at your table. In other words, that's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, really. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Don't try that at home, kids. Um, so, um, and where do you bury the the white the remains? Um, at the your front door. The white should be buried your front door, so that you bring blessings into your house. Okay. Wow. Okay. I hope I got this all written down. It was, you went very fast, as usual. Do you have anything to add to this, Stuart? No, that was fascinating. That was great. <laughs> okay. I, I, well, I, the only thing I, I the only thing I question is, uh, and I know this has probably been talked about before. Uh, some people don't have a place to bury things at their front door. What do you normally recommend in that case? Always a potted plant. I'm a big fan of the potted plant. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a potted good. potted plant that's very that good. can be of the opening of your building, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this is this is the kind of work that requires you to do some work, but um, I think you can give it a try. Um, Doc Murphy says topsoil in a bucket. That's a good one too. I like to plant a nice. plant on it afterwards. That's just me. Um, if I was going to plant a, a, a you know plant, it would be something for for love and profitability or whatever. Some people use that lucky bamboo. That's a good one to plant. And anything that grows well or easily would go nicely in your bucket of topsoil. That's fine. All right. Well, we hope we were able to help. And um, it was real interesting reading those um, Zolar astrological tarot (laughs) cards. And I hope you all got a kick out of that. And, of course, the Lenormand cards. Now we're going to go to our next client, so we're going to turn this back over to Doc Murphy. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by Hoodoo Psychics, 
the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call one 888 or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to our next client. Our caller is calling from area code 202 and is from the chat. 202, are you there and what is your name? Hello, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. And what is your name? Natalie. Hello, Natalie. I recognize your voice. Could you give us a couple of sentences about your situation to be read? Okay. My money is really, really funny. And I need to know what to do to get real quick money. And why why is my money so funny lately? Okay, I've turning had it over to you, Miss and everything. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you, Natalie. I know you've been on the um, phone uh, on the show before, um, and uh, I'd like to ask you just to remind us: what is your sign of the zodiac? Capricorn. Capricorn. And about how old are you? Mid to late forties. Mid to late forties. All right. So um, we're going to have Contraman do your first reading. Stuart will do your second reading, and then I'll come in with the root work advice. So take it away, Contraman. Thanks. I'm I'm not going to be reading oracle cards. Uh, it's not my skill, but <laughs> I will be reading uh, the tarot here. But I do look forward to seeing what uh, Stuart has to say with his oracle cards. Um, Natalie, have you asked about this particular question before, or was it a different question last time? Different question. Okay, so I've pulled three cards here, and the reason I asked for this is, is I'm trying to see if there's some sort of uh, ongoing pattern. There is a, a slight issue here. The very first card that we have is the Hermit, and the Hermit card does not speak to abundance. It's an individual that has withdrawn themselves from the world, and they are now living in a harsh and barren environment. This is the Hermit living up on top of a mountain, a staff in one hand, um, surrounded by really kind of nothing, no life, but they have a lamp, and that lamp can guide them forward. Uh, This is an indication that you are currently in a spiritual environment that is not conducive for money. My teacher always told me that the first thing that can get jacked is money, which is one of the reasons why whenever we did money work at Virginian Conjure, we always included some element of protection. Alfalfa and Alcanet was like in every single magic mojo, money mojo or money oil, anything money-oriented, we always had Alfalfa and Alcanet. Always. Why? Because money is the easiest thing to jinx. It's, it's mercurial. It's very easy. It comes in very easily, but it goes out very easily as well. And so this was a common thing. So what you're experiencing right now is environmental. This is not an instance of you being cursed, but you are now living in a, in a barren environment. But the good news is that there is a light there and that there will be change if you're able to bring in the right spiritual power. For the next card is the Ace of Cups. Prayer is going to be very crucial for bringing abundance towards you. You're going to have to think about money as flow, not money that you can receive and then hold on to, but money that you receive and then send back out. Works of gratitude, works of prayer, and works of charity are going to be crucial for allowing you to bring money into your life. 
Um, in particular formulas, I would generally do some type of mixing, and, and Kat will know this better than I. I'm just sort of signposting for her, but a mixture of things like blessing with fast luck will help to turn things around really fast for you. Ace of Cups always says a little bit of blessing is needed here. A little bit of holiness needs to be added in. A little bit of gratitude needs to be added in to any type of attraction work that you do. But know that it will bring about wealth in your life. This will, this hermit condition will pass and things will open up again. The Page of Cups is the final card that we get. A young individual standing on the shoreline with a goblet in his hand and a young and a small little fish jumping out and speaking to him. You'll likely receive the biggest shift um, towards the end of February. So you're not quite out of the woods yet. December will still be a lean month for you. Uh, and there will be some, some difficulties in regards to November. January will maybe start to see improvements, but it will be end of February where you actually start to see genuine improvement uh, in your situation. You will need to do root work in order to turn things around. This root work should involve working with water, with cleansing, with gratitude work, uh, and some form of blessing work. And the combination thereof, will help to turn this situation around for you. That's what I see in these cards. I'm going to turn this over to Stuart Palm. Hello. Uh, I have pulled uh, five cards for you, uh, mostly because the first three uh, I, I found very fascinating. And I thought, okay, this, this is going to need a couple more. And, and the first card is the two of hearts, which is the ring. And rings are about commitment. And so this puts into question where, where your commitments lie and where is it that you put uh, power in other people's hands and how is that affecting uh, uh, your situation? Where is the funny money rolled up in with someone else's issues and problems and things? Uh, is it rolled up in a place where you need to make a commitment to something? Uh, the second card is the two of spades. So we have a two of hearts and a two of spades, and that tells me that there's probably something with a relationship involved in the situation. The two of spades is the letters card. The letters card is about a message that's coming. So expect a message that's going to come to help you change the situation. And I say change the situation because the other card's looking more fed, uh, favorable. Um, so I think that the, the time of transition is coming. Um, that this would be around February makes sense to me as well. I would look at February for uh, positive change. The third card is the Seven of Hearts. Seven of Hearts in uh, uh, Palm's Oracle is the tree. And the tree is about wisdom and about connecting to the natural side of your world. Spend some time to balance yourself. Get outside. And I think that this, well, the world's been through a period of not getting outside enough, and that's probably going to help everybody. Um, but find some time to get to a place where you can be immersed in nature and sit and find a, a center where you feel balanced and you feel calm and you feel able to see things more clearly. This will help you see the problems within uh, your own path more clearly in your life. And uh, the, the reason this is needed is that your, your vision is clouded. Your, your ability to see what's going to uh, help you has been clouded. And I think the root work will probably help uncloud this as well. And the, the, the next card I have is the clouds. 
and the clouds uh, are about the light being covered. You're not getting to what you need to see. Uh, it, it, it's, it's the situation that you're in right now. Um, now, the last card is what you want. The last card is the Ten of Diamonds. This is a celebration of successes coming in. Uh, the image of this card is a bottle of champagne bursting open. Uh, this is a celebration. So we want to be able to get past the clouds to get to the celebration. And I do see that that is a thing that you can have happen that will come for you. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, and, and so look, see the, the future as a positive thing that you're going to, to come towards and, uh, you know, have that kind of sense of positive hope in your heart. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm looking at our our time here, and I I think I have time to do a little Zolar reading before I give the root work. Mm. <laughs> I was so mm, I just wanted to do another little Zolar reading, so I'm going to do it. Okay. Card number one is um, the Knight of Pentacles which is just given as unnumbered diamonds. And this is a uh, dark-haired, dark-eyed man who is uh, coming forward with coins, but he's stalled out. His horse isn't moving. So money is on the way, but it's not that that you're not owed money or not due to get money. It's just been stalled out. Um, If you're not alert as Zolar says, if you're not alert, you'll miss an opportunity. So you're going to keep on the lookout for somebody who is dark-haired, dark-eyed, and who offers an opportunity of money, but that person is still uh, kind of, uh, they've got their own stuff going on. I don't know, you know, you all know what's been going on with the economy, with uh, the pandemic. A lot of money is tied up now in, in strange places and not coming forth. The next card that I have for you is the card of Virgo. And this says your lucky number is three with this card. And it will be news is coming. And it can be a new relationship as well as having um, uh, just general news. So this kind of goes back to what was said previously. Somebody's involved in this, and this may be this person is going to come into your life who has something to offer in the way of of straightening out your money not sure but i'm i'm certainly seeing that um you if you do any uh, betting you should bet the number three and um the the last of the card i have is called favorable mercury so this is the uh, card of Money and uh, transactions. Not money like wealth, like Jupiter, but money that you earn or money that's in commerce. So it's about trading things, getting things, and it's really a good luck card. It represents um, good luck in financial affairs. Lucky number is four. So I have two lucky numbers, three and four. So looking at Mercury and Virgo together, of course, the first thing I notice is that Mercury is the ruler of Virgo. So what I see here is that you might want to keep your eyes open for somebody who either is a Virgo, could be a Gemini, because um, uh, Mercury also rules Gemini, someone who is in 
commerce or trade, but Mercury also has to do with lucky money in terms of betting and play, and you might be able to do that. So now, I've got my little Zolar reading in, <laughs> after all. And I like That'd the idea cool. that February is when this is all going to be happening. Um, that seems um, uh, right to me, too. There is this delay card, but money will come. So I'm going to have you do a spell that's going to last you um, until, let's just say, up until into February. So what you're going to do is you're going to take um, a, a bowl, and I like to use a brass metal bowl, but you can use any kind of bowl. Um, it's going to be a bowl you don't need to have until February, and you're going to uh, start building up a little nest of coins and uh, dollar bills in it. So the first thing you're going to do when you get this little uh, bowl, and this is a very old spell. It was taught to me by a man uh, from uh, uh, back, e- back in the Midwest who had moved to Oakland, California. And he always talked about making a, building a little nest like a hen would sit on. So you're going to take some dollar bills. And you, three of them will be enough. Four of them is good. Five of them, six of them, whatever you want to do. And you're going to kind of put them in the bowl as if you were putting straw in the bottom or hay to make a little nest. And then you're going to uh, put in a lodestone. Now, this could be a, a big one or a little one. I like just a nice, chunky lodestone. And you can, you're going to need some magnetic sand to dress that lodestone. And when you um, have that set up, you're going to go through your change and you're going to pull out a few coins. You're going to roll them around the lodestone. Don't cover the lodestone. Just lay them down in the bowl. It should be a flattish bowl. <clears throat> and these will be, you can conceive of them as like little eggs with the hen sitting on them. Tuck them under the lodestone to start with. So what you got now is you know a little a little bunch of uh, pennies, dimes, nickels, whatever you got. You've got the lodestone sitting on them, and they're peeking out from under like baby chicks. You've got the, 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 the few dollar bills. Now let's go back. Each of those dollar bills, I want you to write something on it. And what you're going to write is return to me. And just write that in the side or in the corner. Some people don't want that to be written out so boldly, so they just put R-T-M. For return to me. You're going to dress those dollar bills with some money-drawing oil. If you work out of your house, money house blessing oil can be added. And um, if you uh, don't have a job, uh, if you just are working, you know, just at home, if you get um, Social Security disability or something of that nature or live on a retirement, and this is for anybody. I know you're not that old to be retired. You could, you're still going to write return to me on it, but you might also uh, put a little bit of um, money stay with me because if you have a fixed income, you need to not break things and not ha- not lose money over having to replace anything in your house. So whatever money oils you're going to use, you're going to dress that those bills. And don't pour it all over them. You don't want them to get all soaking wet because you're going to send them back into the world. You're also going to dab each coin with that as you put them on. And then you're going to, um, have that lodestone. You're going to feed the lodestone with magnetic sand. And when you feed the lodestone with magnetic sand, you, you're going to say to it, lodestone, as I feed you, so will you feed me. And if you want to, you can light a candle in front of it. Um, 
or behind it. I like to have the lodestone in the bowl in front of a candle. It doesn't have to be a big candle. It's a little candle on a candlestick. And I want you to do this because we had that um, card that was the favorable Mercury. I want you to do that on Wednesday. Not a traditional money day, but it can be used for money. Um, and it's um, we had that Virgo. The opposite of Virgo is Pisces. And Pisces is in February. So that's good. I want you to do that. And every week on Wednesday, I want you to be light that little candle. If you use a candle, if if you have asthma, can't burn a candle, just don't don't do the candle. Just say the prayer. And um, the prayer is Psalms number 23. Okay? So I think I've kind of laid this out, how you're going to make this thing with the lodestone. Now, when we get to the point where the sun enters Pisces, and we're all ready for that, we're going to, you're going to take the lodestone and the magnetic sand that clings to it, and you're going to bury it at the front of your house, or if you live in an apartment and there is no front of your house, as we said before, get a potted plant. If you can't get a potted plant, just put put it in some dirt and put the dirt near the front door. But I really like to have something growing on it or living plant. Some people who live in apartment buildings will go out and go out into the uh, nearest mm-hmm. park and they'll bury it at the base of a nice tree. Here, you keep this lodestone for me. And every time they go by that tree, walk by and touch it and pet that tree. Just thanks for keeping my lodestone for me. And you're going to get a little charge off that tree. So there's some of the different ways to do it. And then when you have that um, uh, lodestone set in place, you're going to take that money, those coins and those um, dollar bills, whatever you had there, and you're going to give it to somebody who needs it more than you do. And you're going to think on the the, uh, the portion of the Bible about casting your bread on the waters, and after many days it returns to you. Well, that is going to return to you. You wrote RTM on all those bills, and those coins were blessed and dressed. Mm. And you're just going to give them to the poor, or you're going to give them to the church, or wherever you're going to give them. All right? So that is my root work recommendation. Does anyone else have anything to add on? Uh, just to, to know that this is going to take a little bit. So if you can if you can find support in your community, prayer groups are really going to be really important here. Crystal Silence thing is really good for you. Um, I also highly highly recommend if you can squirrel away some funds for a rainy day, start doing that now because I don't. This is one of those issues where obviously you can't do it now, but once money starts to improve around February time. Set, set aside some funds just in case you come across this situation again. That's a really good idea, and I'm going to recommend how to do that. Any extra money you have between now and February, and especially after February where things are going to get better, any extra money, rather than spend it, I want you to take it and put it in your Bible. Open the Bible up to Psalms 23, put the money in, say, Lord, keep this money for me till I need it. And then a week later, again on a Wednesday, you're just going to go in and count off seven pages for seven days and stick in another bill and it doesn't matter how whether it's a one or ten or twenty you're just going to do that when you fill that bible god will keep that money locked up for you and at the end you'll have enough money to do something some something really good for yourself all right um wow um so 
Let us move on. That was a that was a really interesting reading, and I like the way we all kind of agreed about that February thing. That was we all saw the same thing. Network schedule announcement is up next. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Stuart Palm of stuartpalm.com in Hong Kong. Take it away, Stuart. Hey, great. Uh, so the spell I have today is a manifestation spell using cards because we're talking about cards. And um, so what you need is, is first a focal point, uh, something that you want to bring to yourself, something you want to manifest in your life. Um, and this is a case of using oracle cards, and I, I do this quite often, where you look through your cards and you choose the three or five cards that are going to help you focus on what it is you want to manifest. Um, so you, you take those three or five cards uh, and you spread them out, um, and you're going to need um, you're going to need an orange or a red orange or gold candle. Um, you're going to take a cup of rice uncooked, and you're going to need patchouli oil and seven gold or golden coins. Um, when I do this, I will also create a sigil uh, to focus on the intention of the spell. Uh, and that gets into a whole other conversation of sigil making, which is one of my favorite things. Um, I will both write this sigil on a, a small piece of paper, and I will, if, I, uh, if it makes sense, I will carve it into the candle. Uh, you lay the cards in the sigil out. You sprinkle them with the rice. And then you anoint the candle with the patchouli oil in an upwards direction. You place the candle in the center of the cards and the rice and the coins around uh, the whole thing in a circle. You burn the candle then each evening for a week while uh, meditating on being open and welcoming to what it is you are going to receive. Um, so this is in some sense is also a meditation practice to bring that in. Um, but what I do recommend is you, you, don't you don't meditate on what it is you want. You meditate on being open to receiving because uh, that, that can confuse the issue with some people. Um, when I do this uh, with, with my own deck, I've actually added a special uh, indicator card in there, and one of them is itself an image of a candle, which is for manifestation. So when I do this, it will be uh, added to those cards to sort of strengthen that focal point. And that's the spell. Wow. That's mm, really nice. Cool. 
And um, I didn't know that you were Thank into you. sigil magic in that way. So we oh, have a minute. Or, <laughs> yeah, we have a minute or two here. Let's just talk a little bit about sigil magic, just real quick, because some people don't know what it is. Sigil magic can consist of designs or drawings. There are traditional inherited sigils that come from all over, like the seals of Solomon and the seals of Moses. Mm. And uh, there are the Norse sigils, and there are runes um, put together to make what are called bind rune sigils. There are many, many sigils, but there's another form of sigil magic, which I think may be what you're referring to, where you write out um, your... uh, your petition, and then reduce it to a sigil by working mm-hmm. with the letters or numbers. Is that what you're talking mm-hmm. about? That's what I'm talking about, yep. That's called Austin, is, uh, Osmond Spares version. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Osmond Spares, but I hadn't heard that. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I, uh, there, some people will use an entire phrase and then use the first letters of the phrase. Uh, I usually will reduce what it is that I'm focused on down to as few words as I can. Uh, and then cut out the vowels and any repeated letters so you just have the letters to work with and then create a design from that image uh, sort of until the design itself loses any representation of what the word was. Yeah. They work very well for me. Austin Osmond Spear had a huge influence on people, but his system also bears some relationship to what are called calligrams, uh, which are found mm-hmm. in the, both in the Hebrew and Arabic tradition, in which the first letters of words are uh, used to create a sigil, and that may be drawn calligraphically. And the Arabic ones are often drawn very flowingly, freehanded, to form like an image, like a bird or a, a gazelle. The Hebrew ones very often are drawn a little bit more rigidly and will form more of a geometric pattern, although they sometimes are used in the form of a menorah, and it's very um, common to see uh, menorah charms, which represent different um, prayers, the most common being the menorah based on Psalms 91, but there's also one based on Psalms 67. And so, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, and... Um, and uh, Nagashiva mentions here that Kenneth Grant and his wife have done quite a bit to popularize Austin Osmond Spare's form of sigil making. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that was a real side trip, but we had the time to mention it. <laughs> and um, yeah, it, it, one of the first things is throwing out the vowels. And this, of course, shows how Spare derived this from Hebrew. Um, mm. which he had studied and you know because he was hermetic revival and um yeah gosh thank you for that Stuart. yeah it's, yeah i'll send you some pictures of my sigils <laughs> yeah, yeah it, should be, it should be noted that the reason you reduce the the, the letters is because arabic and hebrew or all the aramaic languages are triliteral roots so every word can be reduced down to three letters Every word that's correct. Is basically, and so that's why there's like a whole this is there's a whole language family that's related to this. Uh, this word is related to this, which is related to this because they share similar roots, which is very different from the way English and German and Latin are. They have a very different understanding of roots. So that's where that that logic that linguistic logic comes from the reduction of it. I did want to mention, Stuart. I love the idea that there's a meditative component built into this particular working and the focus on being open rather than open, than focusing on the 
the desire here was really a crucial bit that I loved. That That's really a, a sort of a unique word, because I think a lot of times when people do the, this type of work or when they do type of magic, the focus is on the desire, right? I want this, mm-hmm. I want this, I want this, I want this. But shifting that, it's a very subtle shift, but a very powerful shift that you mentioned where you focus on being open. That right there is really powerful. Yeah, because what happens when people focus on wanting is they continue wanting. <laughs> yeah. Mm, well said, you want to yeah. focus you want to focus on gratified desire. Mm. All right. Well, it was wonderful to have you as a guest Stuart. You always bring so thank much interesting things here. And um and thank you Doc Murphy for being our pitch hitting announcer. Uh thank you uh man for your erudite information about the three-letter roots of all the Semitic languages. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, we keep, we keep them around here for those amazing little uh, dewdrops of wisdom. That's and, why they um, pay me the big bucks. That's right. And then thanks to everyone in the chat who came in. And folks, if you listen to this show in the archive, and I know a lot of you do, thousands of people listen to these shows in the archive, consider coming in sometime and being in the chat live, and you can, uh, you know, get a little shout-out. And, uh, you know, so Onyx Rose, El Patricia, Mickey MSB, Gladiator, Dr. Sweets, um, someone who I can't read, Fifi Face, perhaps, and uh, Cousin Joshua, thanks for being here. All right, let's turn this over to Doc Murphy, and she's going to give us our final announcements. Thank you, Miss Cat and Conjurman. And thank you, Stuart Palm of StuartPalm.com in Hong Kong for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest will be Ramona Scott of Ramona Speaks the Other Truth in Houston, Texas. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Voodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjureman at conjuremanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Doc Murphy, joining you from rootdocmurphy.com. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and to invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strange of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you so much, Doc Murphy. All right, folks. Thank you. Remember, Hoodoo Psychics is giving away free readings on Monday. you got to go to the Facebook page of Hoodoo Psychics to grab them. All righty, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night, all. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night.